In Matthew chapter 12, everybody knows the story here in Matthew chapter 12. You start in the very first, it tells you about it. Uh, Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath. And anytime somebody does something on the Sabbath, they get upset with. They ain't like that. But Jesus being God, he knows what he's doing. Verse number 14, let us stand in chapter 12 of Matthew. Let's read a little bit and I'll give you the thought. And it's just right after he stretched forth his hand and he touched and he healed his hand. And then the Pharisees went out and held counsel against him that they might destroy him. See, when God's working, there's going to be people working against the movement of God. When you're doing the things for God, there's going to be people that's going to be against you. Amen. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence and great multitudes followed him. And he healed them all. Oh, ain't that good? <laughs> and charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken Elias, the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. Now, that's you and I. We're not Jewish, but we're the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he sent forth the judgment unto victory. And I love verse 21. And in His name, and in His name, no other name, not my name, not your name, but in His name shall the Gentiles trust. Let us pray. Father, we just thank You this morning for the uh, sweet music we've heard that stirred our hearts, Lord. And, and Lord, I, I just pray that, uh, uh, Lord, uh, that we could say something that would stir the hearts this morning, Lord. Lord, I, I pray for the children. I pray for the workers down there, Lord, that you'll uh, bring a peace to them, Lord, and speak to their hearts. But God, it's all about you. It's not about me. It's not about anyone sitting here. It's about you. You are the one that we can trust. And Father, we're going to lay our, our, our soul and our hearts and our minds upon you and trust in you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I, I love verse 21. In his name shall the Gentiles, you and I, trust. We're not the Jewish nation. We are Gentiles. We can trust Jesus. You can trust Jesus with everything that you have this morning. You can trust Him with your family. You can trust Him with your finances. Uh, you can trust Him in your job. Uh, you can just trust Jesus in everything that you've got. Your mind, soul, and body, your heart. You can trust Jesus. 
Because he is faithful and true. He is faithful and true. Revelation is reading Revelation. It said he's coming back on a white horse written on his side. It's going to, the words faithful and true. He is faithful and true. Why should I trust him? Because of the alternative. The alternative. It's not real good. You, you can put your trust in me in some things and I can put my trust in you in some things, but the, uh, eventually I will let you down and you will let me down. So the alternative is not, is not real good. Anytime anybody grabs a hold of their life and tries to run with their life, uh, you find that you're going to mess it up. Uh, you might find that, hey, I'm doing real good right now, but somewhere down the road, you're going to mess it up and you're going to fall apart. You can trust Him. The Bible says, uh, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to your own. Not mine, not yours. Lean not unto your own understanding. I find that my understanding will let me down. What is the alternative in trusting Jesus? Trusting in yourself. Trusting in yourself. Trusting in the government. We won't go down that road because I won't get off of it. When's the last time somebody from the government, I'll get on it now. <laughs> when has the last time somebody from the government got to your door, knocked on it, and, and you open your door and say, Hi, I am from your government. I am from your uh, uh, United States government. I'm from your uh, North Carolina government. I am here to help you. Does that happen to anybody here? No, it happens. Psalms 118 says, it is better to trust in the Lord than in the confidence in man. I'm telling you, we've put our faith and trust in a lot of things, but we're not putting it in the one thing that we need to put it into this morning. Trust in the Lord. The Bible said that many times his disciples went back and there were many that walked with Jesus. And I'm amazed in the word of God that they see Jesus do all these miracles. And, and this Bible said many followed after. But then it said that all, some, all of a sudden something happened and many did not follow him no more. They walked away from it. I see that in the day that we live today. There are so many people that say they love God, want to serve God. But when it gets rough, when the storms come, they walk away from God. And Jesus said, looked at the disciples and said, hey, Y'all going to leave too? Y'all going to pack it up? You're going to walk away from me? You're, 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 you're going to be just like everybody else and leave me? Then Simon Peter, you got to love him, answered him, said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. The disciple says, we don't, we don't have a backup plan. There's no such thing as a plan B in our life. Uh, we've, done, we've done cast everything with you. Uh, we're going to go with you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to serve you because you've shown us the way, the truth, and you have eternal life. 
I've thrown my lot in with Jesus this morning. I can trust him. Can I say if he goes down, I'm going down with him. But he ain't going down. He, he, he ain't backing up. He's not getting off the throne. He's still God. Always will be God. I, I, I'm just decided, hey, I'm just going to lean on him. I'm going to trust in him. I, I'm not going to trust in man. I, I'm not going to trust myself. I'm not going to trust in the government. I'm just going to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want you to see why you should trust in Jesus this morning. Same thing why God the Almighty trusted in his son this morning. The God of heaven trusted in his son. The father of the Lord and our Savior trusted in his son. Verse number 18. Behold my servant whom I have chosen. What does that mean? It means God trusts him. That means God trusts him. You, you know it's how long I, I, I've known someone and how long I've been around someone. You can trust them at some things. But when I have something to be done and I, I, I don't know how to do it to, and somebody could come along to me and say, hey, you can go see brother so-and-so uh, and they get the job done. Uh, I might not know them that good. I might not know them. But because I trust that person so much that I'm going to trust them. I, I, I've got a lot of trust in a lot of people in here. You want something done, all, all you got to do is get on the phone and call. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I got to trust him. The reason why I trust him because somebody else trusts him just as much. And, and let, let me just say this. When somebody tells you that somebody can do so and so and they believe it in the heart uh, and when they do it for them and they do it for you, you can learn to trust on them. And that's the same thing God is saying. I trust in my son. I trust in what he can do. I have chosen him. I'm pointing you to him. I'm trying to lead you to him because he's the one that you need to trust in this morning. Listen, if you ain't got no better reason to trust in Jesus this morning, the God of heaven trust is in him the God of glory looked down on his son and said I trust him and if God thinks enough of him to trust him if God trusts him then there's not a person in here sitting this morning that could not trust him you read your Bible and you'll find there are certain things God trusts his son with. Now, now we understand that Jesus is God as well. The Bible also said that he, he, he's the Lord. But he humbled himself and became a man. He made himself Lord, Lord lower than the angels in the form of flesh. And even though he was the son of God, he was also man in flesh. 
The Bible says Jesus being in the form of God, though it not to rob, to be equal with God, but took on the form of a servant and became a, obedient unto death, even to the death of the cross. God looked at his son and said, I chose him. I trust him. If you want God to choose you, if you want God to point you out and says, I trust you and I want you, you got to have Jesus. you got to have Jesus. There, there's no other way. God chooses people that are in Jesus Christ. God chooses people that follow Him. They're, God chooses people that are faithful to Him, that are serving Him and surrendered all to Him. Guess who God chooses this morning? So what can we trust Jesus with this morning? You can trust Him with your redemption. <laughs> Verse 11, and He said unto him, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall? Now that's you and I. We're a picture of sheep. When Adam fell into sin, so did mankind. He said, if one of you should have a, a one sheep and it fall into a pit, that's where we're heading. That's what we're going to, the fiery pit. He said, if he said unto them, what man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will not lay a hold of it and lift it out. How much then is man better than the sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath day. Here we find that redemption plan of God for mankind is showing up that have fallen and heading to the pit of hell. We can't get ourselves out. I can't get you out. You can't get me out. We need help. The Old Testament said that there, there were judges that came along and they judged the nation, but they couldn't forgive them of their sins. They couldn't wash their sins away. They had to come year after year and shed blood for the remission of sins for a year. They couldn't help them. They couldn't pull them out of the pit of sin and hell. But God said, I got a plan. God said, I got a redemption plan. <laughs> He's someone that you can trust. His blood is much more precious than that of animals, that of a lamb, or that of a bull. God's only son came. He said, I chose him. That, that's the redeemer. That is the door. That is the shepherd. That is the truth. That's the life, the way. That is the faithful and true one. You can trust him this morning in your redemption this morning. What are you trusting in this morning? What are you trusting in to get you to heaven this morning? That's an, that's an answer that we should really ask ourselves. Am I trusting in my good works? Am I trusting in because I'm a good person? Am I trusting because I come to church? Because I read the Bible? Because I've been baptized? No! 
You're trusting in Jesus Christ this morning. There are those that trust in themselves to get to heaven. God trusted his son. Jesus went to Calvary. He was nailed to the cross. He said, it's finished. And God said, that is what I will accept. Nothing more, nothing less, but the blood of Jesus Christ at the work of Calvary. You can bring all you want to. You can bring your religion. You can bring your thoughts. You can bring whatever you want. I, I will not accept it. I will not look upon it. The only thing I see is the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. I read a story about a boy. He labored, labored hard a long time. He made this boat. And I mean, he took weeks and put pieces together and glued and watched it. And as he was working on his boat, he just fell in love with his boat because it was labor of his hands. And he, he wanted to see the product. And finally, he finished that boat. And he, he's standing around and looking at that boat and said, Man, this is a beautiful boat. I love this boat. So I'm going to try it out. I'm going to take it down to the river and watch my boat float. He takes it down to the river and he, he puts it to the edge of the water. But the current grabbed that boat and started drawing it out further and further and further. And finally he could not see it no more. He went up and down the shore. He could not find his boat. He was broken hearted. He lost something that he built with his own hands. And for days he went down and looked for it. For days he couldn't find it. Then one day he was walking down the street and he looked in the store and in the window of that store, there was his boat. He went in the store and said, Sir, sir, that's my boat. He said, well, I'm sorry, somebody bought it in and I bought it. If you want that boat, you're going to have to pay a price for it. It's going to cost you a dollar. That boy ran home, scrammed everything he could up, got all the money he could get up, and he ran back to that store and said, Sir, here's the dollar. I want my boat. And he gave him that boat. And as he walking down the road, he was hugging his boat and says, I love you boat. Can I tell you that exactly what happened to you and I? We were lost and undone. We were drifting away from God. But God said, I love those that I created. I created them with the dust of this world. I love them. I am going to pay the price it's not your blood it's not my blood but it's the blood of Jesus Christ mm, praise God tell you what are you trusting in what's going to get you to heaven this morning self can I say that it's not going to work for you you're not going to be good enough to get yourself to heaven it is going to take the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I say he paid the price for you? He went to the cross of Calvary for you. He paid that price. You, you can trust him with your uh, uh, redemption this morning. You also can trust him with your restoration this morning. Verse number 20. 
A bruised reed shall not break, and a smoking flat shall not be quenched. You say, what does that mean? Well, if you read the Old Testament, you'll find out that about the reeds. They, they grew in the marshy places down by the rivers and, and uh, ponds and stuff. And they grew tall. They, they get up to nine, ten feet tall, and they grew straight. They, they were used for different things in the Bible. In fact, at one part in the Old Testament, you'll find that an angel came down and had a reed in his hand for measuring the city. It was used to measure things. But it's also, it was used to bring music. See, Jesus said, hey, they should not be bruised. They'd make flutes out of them. And they still have these in the country today. And they still use these instruments today that they made from these reeds. It was, made, it was used to make perfume. To grind it up and make perfume out of this stuff. He said, what's that got to do with us? Well, let me get to it. And then he said about the flax. It was used in the garments and woven up. But the text is, is talking about a smoking flax. And what they would do, they would take it and strip it up and, and dip it in oil and soak in oil. And, and then they put it in a, a candle and they light it as a wick. And it will give light. They could use it as light. But he says, there's times that reeds will grow and get damaged. And it was good for nothing. They couldn't use it for measuring anymore, couldn't use it to make music with it no more. It was absolutely good for nothing. The wind would blow it to a point in there, blow it and blow it over to the point to, so so long that when it wind stopped, it would not straighten back up. It was damaged. It was bruised. It was no good. It could not make perfume out of it. it could not make it as a measuring stick out of it. it. Couldn't make music out of it. It was no good for anything. And the same thing with the flak. It would stay outside for so long it dried up and it lose the oil that was in it and it sat over here and dried up and when you go to light it, it wouldn't light up and all it would do was just smoke. It wouldn't get out no light because it was so dried up the oil was gone. It was no good no more. But in the text, it's not talking about the reeds that out by the river. It's not talking about the flax and the lamps. He's likened them unto you and I. He said, you're just like a bruised reed. And we've all been bruised, amen? We've all gone through the trials. We've all gone through the storms. We, we've been in the valleys. We, we've all been bruised. I, I've come through some situations that left scars on me. You've come through situations less scars on you. We've been bruised. We've been battered. But God didn't throw you away. God didn't throw you away. God said, hey, I, I, I still want you. Even though you're bruised and battered, I still want you. This is like the flak. 
that's dried up no longer can produce light. You know, sometimes in our life we get like that. We get so far away from God, we get so different from God that the oil, the Holy Spirit of the oil in our, in our bodies start to dry up and we don't have that light no more. We don't have that, that shine about us no more. We don't have the glory of God in us no more and you kind of dry it up and they say they're no good for nothing but God said, hey, hey, you're still good. You're still good. Even though you're bruised and battered and your light's gone out, I still can use you. Amen. Why does he use a bruised reed? God can do things. How does he use flack that cannot give light? Well, you get back to the altar. He says, if you come down to the altar, I'll heal that bruise on you. And I'll put the oil back in you that when you run in this world, you'll start shining again. You won't be bruised and battered and beaten down, but you'll be able to go out with a new heart. I don't know, how many of you sitting here this morning could say, don't raise your hand, said, my oil is gone dry. And I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about oil. I, my oil is dried up. I, I, I'm not producing the light that I should as a Christian in this world. I, I'm not giving off that fragrance of God when the Holy Spirit's on you. That sweet smelling Spirit of God that's on you. you you're no longer giving that. You're no longer producing that in your life. You come to the altar this morning. Lord, I've been bruised. I, I've been battered. My, my oil has gone out. Yeah. I, I once knew what it was like to be on fire. I once used to know what it was like to give light. I, I once knew what it was like to smell the, the presence of God in my life. But somehow it's gone out. You ain't so far away that God can't get to you. You, you may be bruised, battered, and your light's gone out, and you don't have that smell about you anymore. But I'm telling you, you come to the altar this morning, say, Lord, put the Spirit of God in me. Put the fire of God in me. I'll get that Spirit again. I'll get on fire again. I'll have that sweet-smelling Spirit of God on my life this morning. Some of you probably drifted away from God. And I'm talking about saved people. If you're lost here this morning, you can come down and get that fire too. But I'm talking about saved people that has drifted away from God. I find those are the hardest ones to deal with. A sinner knows they're lost and undone. A saved person sometimes don't know that they've drifted away from God and they've lost the fire, lost that globe, lost the presence of God in their life this morning. But you can get it back. God, hey, God is not going to throw you away just because you made a mistake. If that's the case, none of us would be here this morning. But God reached his hand down 
said, hey, just like the clay had a crack in it, it was no good, but I can remold it. I can make it again. I'm telling you, I can put something inside of you that nobody in this world can do. I can do something for you that nobody in this world can do, but you got to come. you got to come, and I'll give you what you need in your life this morning. He will help you with your restoration because we all need to be restored at one time or another. Amen. You say, well, preacher, I've drifted away. I've drifted away from God. I used to know what it was like, but I've drifted away from Him. Can I say you're in the right place this morning? You can get tied up to Him this morning. You can get your boat anchored in the right place this morning. And He says, I will do for you what He did for others. Amen. Is there anybody here that can testify that they know what it's like to be bruised, battered, undone, didn't have the Spirit of God no more, didn't have the glory of God no more, but all of a sudden God reached down, touched your life, says, hey, 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 you was gone and done, but now I'm going to touch you, I'm going to fill you back up and know what it's like to be filled with the Spirit of God. Man, do you know what it's like? Oh, I love that song. Do you know what it's like? To be walling in the pits of sin on your way to hell. Somebody loved you enough to reach down and grab you out of it and say, hey, you're still filthy. You're still nasty. But I'll tell you what, I got something that can wash off you all that filth, all that nastiness, and put you someplace that, oh, praise God, I am on the rock of Jesus Christ this morning. You can trust Him. you've been bruised and battered you need some help he's what you're looking for this morning can I say this if you want don't raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass anybody there are people who love to be bruised and battered and have no light in their life and yet they come to church, I'm going to heaven. You ain't got no light in you. How are you going to get there? You got to have a way. You got to have a light to see the way. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. There are people like that. I, I just love what's on me. I don't like being bruised. I don't like being battered. I don't like to be kicked. I don't like to be punched. And I certainly don't like to be without the light of God. I certainly don't like to have not, not having that presence of God in my life and that sweet smelling Holy Spirit in my life. I don't want to be like that. And if you like that, you like what you're going through. Something wrong with you. Something wrong with you. I want more of God. Every day, not just today. We we on church on Sunday morning, Sunday night. I I like that because I I need God. But let me tell you what, I need God Monday morning. I need God Tuesday morning. I cannot wait till I get to Wednesday and get the presence of God again. But I still need Him on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. But there are so many that's just drifting around. 
not anchored up to anything. And thinking, oh, well, I'm good the way I am. No, you're not. You can trust him with your restoration. You can trust him with your redemption this morning. Can I say it? I'm done. You can trust him with the rulership. Verse number 20. Till sent forth the judgment under victory. This victory is talking about when he's coming back. You read Isaiah chapter 9. It says, of the increase of the government and the peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon the kingdom of order, it to be established with judgment and with justice from henceforth forever and ever. This cursed ground that we have on, the curse will be lifted. The desert, the Bible says, will blossom with roses. The blind and the lame shall be healed. Land shall be cleansed. If God trusts his son to rule over the world, please get this. Please get this. So important. If God trusts his son to rule over this world, why don't you let him rule over that little bit of stuff you've got called my body? Why, why don't you let him rule over that? Give him that. Because he already owns this world. <laughs> he already owns the heavens. But he wants something from you. He needs something from you. And that's you. You give him you. And let him be the ruler and reigner of your life. You say, well, I don't want nobody telling me what to do. Praise God, there ain't nobody in here that ain't somebody telling you what to do every day. And especially if you're married. I said it. Amen. Why, why can't we just say, Lord... Here I am, broken, bruised, battered. I'm no good. I'm nothing but made of the dirt of this world. I, I can't do nothing on my own. I can't achieve anything on my own. And I certainly cannot get to heaven on my own. I need something. I need you to be my ruler. Can I say, when I said, Lord, here I am. You can have me. You think, well, if he's ruling over your life, you're going to be doing things you don't want to do. You're right. I have done things I had to not want to do. But I look back and said, you know what? I'm glad I'd done what I didn't want to do because God got the glory, and boy, it sure made me feel good. Amen. You ain't giving up anything. You're gaining the whole world because he's your ruler. He's over you. If you trust him, if God can trust him to rule the world, why can't you trust him to rule your life, your money, your home, your family? That's who I'd be trusting in. Amen. I, I have a problem with people 
They want him as the Savior, but not to be the King and Lord of their life. I have doubts with people that want his redemption, but not his rulership. I, I want your redemption, but I don't want you telling me what to do. I want to get out of hell. But I don't want you telling me what to do. Can I say, no, you not? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. You have of God. And you're not your own. You're not your own. You're not your own. For you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Is he ruling over you this morning? He's your redeemer this morning. Can I say this? No, I'm done. I, I said that before, but I mean it this time. In the old days, a king ruled over everything. A king ruled over everything. A king could come to your house and say, hey, I want your land. And there's not a thing you could do about it. The king can come tell you, hey, I want you to go out and I want you to go fight for this and there's not a thing that you could do about it. You read the Bible, in the Old Testament, the kings own everything. That's why, that's why the prophet said, you really don't want a king. Try to tell him when they, collected, when they got Saul, they said, you, you really, you don't want this. But since y'all begging, God said, hey, I'm going to give it to you and show you what's going to happen to you. He's going to rule and reign over everything in your life. Whether you like it or not. I'm going to say this. If God's your ruler and reigner over your life, He owns everything you got. Everything you got. He owns your family. He owns your finances. He owns your house. He owns your job. You didn't have none of that unless God gave it to you. Well, I went out and did this. I went out and did that. No, 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 no. God let you. God let you. You say, why did God let me make mistakes? So you can learn from them. You don't do it again. Amen. But if God is your ruler and reigner, he reigns over everything in your life. But you know what? God says, you know what? I'll talk to you about the things I want in your life. I'm not going to come and be a dictatorship. You will do this. But I cannot say this. When God calls you to do something, if you don't do it, he's going to really mess you up. He's going to tire you up. Amen. I, I can speak from experience on that. He will get onto your backside. He ain't going to let up until you do it. And he'll do it for so long. And you say, well, I can, I can handle it. And then you can walk away from God. You walk away from God. You're going to be lost and undone. Walk away from him. But I've decided in my life, Lord, here I am. You've got me, and you rule and reign over me. 
I'm a lot better off with you ruling my life than me ruling my life. I have got so much to thank him for that I would not have if I was ruling myself, if I was directing myself, if I was leading myself, I would not have, but I got so much to thank him for because of who he is and because what he is to me, my ruler and reigner of life. Who's ruling your life? Who's reigning over your life this morning? You say, well, I think I've done a pretty good job. Well, hold on. <laughs> hold on. I went for 25 years thinking I was doing a good job. Found out I was about as messed up as I could be. Lost and undone on my way to hell. Then I got right. I drifted away from God. I know what I'm talking about. I drifted away from God. I, I up my, pulled my anchor up and got as far away from God as I could get. But God never left me. He kept pulling. Kept pulling. Kept pulling. And finally, when I anchored up back at his shore, <laughs> he's now let me tell you what you're going to do. Hmm. And here I am today. Here I am today. Who's ruling over your life this morning? I can tell you, you can trust in him. Him this morning. You can trust Him with everything that you 